0: Hello, everyone. This is Sal from Bitcoin Taxes. Welcome to our podcast. Each episode, we speak to an expert with knowledge related to cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. Our guest today is Connie Gallippi. Connie is the founder and executive director of BitGive, a nonprofit organization that has worked to bridge the gap between practical philanthropic solutions for nonprofit and humanitarian work globally. BitGive accomplishes this by utilizing emerging blockchain technology and was the first Bitcoin 501c3 nonprofit organization recognized by the US government. Connie, thank you for being here today.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Of course, of course. And could you give us a little bit of information about yourself and about your company? Sure, of course.
1: So I'm the founder and executive director of BitGive. And as you mentioned, we're the first Bitcoin and blockchain. 501c3, and we've been around for quite some time. We were established in 2013 and received that c3 status in 2014. And um, our goal, like you said, is to work with other nonprofits and leverage this technology. And we've done that in a number of different ways over the years. But we have a global presence and NGO partners all over the world. And we're working very hard to make sure that this technology is put to good use in the social impact space.
0: Yeah. And you said global. We'll get into maybe some more of the specifics in a little bit. But I know from all the way from Alabama here in the States to the Philippines that you guys have projects that you're involved in, right?
1: Yes, we do. And we have several in Africa and Kenya. We have projects in Latin America. Now we have one in Ethiopia. Wow. Thomas. That's awesome.
0: (laughs) That's great. Great. Now, you had mentioned being the the first 501c3 nonprofit Bitcoin organization. Now, are there other nonprofits in the Bitcoin space now since your inception or?
1: You know, it's a good question. There are, but I would say that we're still pretty unique in the sense that our entire mission is Bitcoin and blockchain for NGO use cases, Mm -hmm. right? And so that I think is fairly unique. Um, There are plenty of NGOs that accept Bitcoin, but they're not, you know, established as, you know, Bitcoin entity baked into their mission. Um, So, yeah, I don't I don't know that we really necessarily have um, others that are, are similar enough to BitGive, but there are other organizations out there, maybe more focused on like education around the technology itself and things like that.
0: Okay. Yeah, and I mean it seems like blockchain technology and donations kind of really go hand in hand. So I mean, I gotta give you credit for for combining the two of those because they really work so well together.
1: Oh, thanks. They do. I mean, I, you know, of course I'm biased, but I see it as such a the perfect use case and um, demonstration of what's possible with the technology.
0: Can you talk a little bit about how you entered the blockchain industry?
1: Sure. So it was a long time ago. <laughs> At least in blockchain and Bitcoin time,
0: yeah.
1: um, and I was at the conference in two thousand and thirteen in San Jose that was essentially the first real Bitcoin conference that was all about bitcoin, and you know previous to that, there had been you know spin offs at, at other fintech conferences and stuff, but there wasn 't an event that was just about Bitcoin, so I was there because my brother 's company had just gotten its first seed round, and so I was there to be a part of that excitement. And I was already interested in the technology, but I wasn't, you know, looking to start an organization by any means. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, but it really just came out of the experience. Like I was there in this really now what's we all look back upon this quite magical moment in the industry budding really. Mm -hmm. And I felt that energy, um, it was really intense and in a good way. I mean, there was this perfect combination of investors in Silicon Valley wandering about at this, you know, random Bitcoin gathering, you know, and um, entrepreneurs and developers. And I really felt that this sense of like, this is going to be really big, Mm -hmm. you know, like all the components are here for essentially the next dot com boom, you know, that absolutely. Yeah. And so that that is basically what then brought me to, to have the idea of BitGive. And it it came to me really without necessarily trying. It just came to me because I essentially married my previous career in working with nonprofits to the potential that I saw with this technology and the energy of that event showing so much potential for it to
0: be really big. Well, that's a great origin story right there. I mean, that's pretty cool that you were just at this conference and you just thought to yourself, wow, these two things should be combined. I wonder if anybody else has combined blockchain (laughs) and nonprofit, and then you just just went for it. (laughs) That's great. Yeah,
1: basically. I really did wonder, because I wasn't familiar enough with the space, if it had already been, you know, somebody was already doing it. Um, but they were not. And so it was a perfect, uh, opportunity and yeah, we just went for it. And here we are almost, you know, six, it's been six and a
0: half years. Was your brother's company, uh, cryptocurrency related as well?
1: It is. Yeah. They're, he's, um, the co-founder of BitPay.
0: Oh, awesome. That's huge. Yeah. You guys utilize BitPay as well, right?
1: We do, we do. They've, um, they've provided their services to us from day one and at no cost, which is amazing. They also did a lot of proprietary work for us early on before there were things like cold storage. We had a proprietary situation with them where they were holding our coins for some time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, we also use their wallets on GiveTrack. So um, yeah, we, we love BitPay. They've been hugely supportive of us
0: Well, I'm sure your parents are very proud of both you and your brother for these awesome (laughs) companies that you guys both started. They're huge companies, so that's great. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no problem.
1: Yeah,
0: I think they are pretty proud. (laughs) Nice, nice. All right, so Connie, uh, you had mentioned GiveTrack. Can you talk about what GiveTrack is and how that's different than BitGive? Sure. We get this question a lot.
1: (laughs) Um, So BitGive is the
0: entity, right? So it's the foundation
1: that we started – over six years ago, GiveTrack is our product, and it's a a donation platform for NGOs, and it's focused on fundraising, but also leveraging all the different benefits of cryptocurrency and blockchain. Um, And it also allows for us to scale. So like in our early days, we couldn't work with more than one NGO at a time. And having a platform lets us have all kinds of different projects going on all at one
0: time. Can you explain why utilizing the blockchain is such a great idea for nonprofits and and donating?
1: Absolutely, <laughs> yes. So this is what I love to talk about, of course. Um, <laughs> I think you know a lot of people just well, especially in the NGO world, they see it as like a, a different and new way to fundraise from the beginning. That's kind of my what I call the gateway. But there's so much more to it than just oh, we can fundraise in this other currency, right? And that's where the beauty lies. So for me personally, there's quite a few benefits beyond that initial gateway. And it's, first of all, being able to, um, fundraise without borders. So you can, uh, fundraise globally without any sort of constraints around, um, you know, regulatory boundaries and stuff like that Mm -hmm. in a single currency. And then moving it on the blockchain provides uh, huge benefits to reducing the time involved and the cost involved, especially for cross-border transactions. Um, And in philanthropy, it's very common that, you know, the the funds are being raised in developed countries and um, being transferred to Developing countries and economies where the projects are
2: mm-hmm.
1: So they're doing a significant amount of cross-border transactions and it can take a long time for the me- the money to get there And it can cost a lot in fees along the way. So Using the Bitcoin network, you can get it there within minutes. You're only paying a network fee. I mean, it's like Tremendously improving upon the current systems, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely and
1: And then on top of that, we talk about the transparency aspects of the blockchain itself. So if you're using this network to move funds cross border, then you can actually watch it happening on the blockchain in real time and you can see where it went and what's going on with the funds. So we're trying to essentially surface that data so that it's not just a bunch of letters and numbers moving across the screen. Um, but we're trying to, you know, surface the data in a way that is user friendly and makes sense and can be, um, used for accountability for NGOs to share what they've done with the funds and build trust and then have a way to engage more with their donors on a, on a real time basis of what's happening.
0: Some people are a little bit hesitant to donate to, to certain charities because they aren't a hundred percent positive. If what the charity says they're doing with the money is actually what's being done with the money. So I think more transparency in donating Bitcoin and crypto to a, an organization or to a, to a project. I think that more transparency is great.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a lot of questions out there. And I think, you know, in more recent years, there's been a lot of stories that have come out um, about unfortunate circumstances with NGOs and, things that are really just unfortunate to hear about. And so I think people are becoming more aware that this this does happen. And so what unfortunately happens is that those few things that happen or those few bad apples, for lack of a better cliché term, um, they kind of, you know, unfortunately affect the entire, you know, philanthropic sector. And there are plenty of NGOs doing amazing work. And, you know, they they do it all in the most important areas of society and with such limited resources. And it's so important that we support them. And it's so sad when these stories come out and it affects everyone involved, you know? So that's that's part of my goal here too, is that it's not just about, you know, leveraging the technology for, um, you know, improving efficiencies and effectiveness, but it's also about, you know, rewarding and encouraging funds to go to the places where they're willing to be accountable and transparent so that, you know, we can funnel more funding into those places and rebuild the trust that, you know, has been unfortunately affected.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because when we do see these bad apples, as you mentioned, a lot of people kind of see that and they're like, all this money is going to maybe somebody's paycheck or all this money is not. These donations I'm giving aren't going where I thought they were giving. And it's easy to forget that the point of donating is to help other people, right? It's, that's the point is to help people who are in need. And those are the people being hurt when you're not donating money. It's, it's not necessarily the the charity that you were donating to that's being hurt, it's the people who the charity was supposed to help.
1: Exactly. Yes.
0: I'm glad you said that and put it much more eloquently than I could. So I appreciate <laughs> you saying that for sure. And it, not to mention the crypto population is more cautious to begin with. I mean, generally, there are a good amount of crypto users and traders who are cautious about what they do with their money and cautious about who sees their, I mean, especially with, we deal with taxation all the time. People hate the idea that they have to send their information to the IRS, but it is a more cautious population. So I think having more transparency is, you know, what needs to be done in order to get some more donations too.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because the tech itself has that, you know, use case, but it mm. also has that sort of pseudo anonymous use case as well. That they kind of, you know, fly in the face of one another at times, but yeah. Yeah. And
0: funny that you say pseudo anonymous, right? Because it's always been kind of touted as anonymous. And I think people are more and more realizing that it is pseudo anonymous. It's not fully anonymous. You know, there's obviously ways to track these types of transactions. So
1: yes, for sure. And the forensics folks in law enforcement are getting good at it. So
0: yeah, absolutely. A lot of people still think of the sketchier uses for cryptocurrency, you know, using it for the Silk Road or, or whatever was the, yeah. <laughs> you know, the place where you could buy illegal things with cryptocurrency. So people still uh, surprisingly think of that when they think of crypto use, you know, but that's not the case.
2: Yes, if, if exactly. Using
0: it for donations to help people in developing countries, which is exactly what you're doing.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because it's like similar to anything else, like cash or email or the internet. <laughs> right. <laughs> like all of these things are used for bad things, but that, right. mean that they don't have utility for all other things as well, including helping other people.
0: <laughs> right. And I just I think time and more light being shed on companies like yours and and endeavors like yours, I think that's gonna create a better opinion of cryptocurrency. I hope so. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So now let's talk about a little bit about taxation and let's talk about capital gains and how capital gains can be offset through crypto donations. Can you talk a little Uh, bit about that?
1: Yes. I love talking about this. (laughs) I think it's actually quite beautiful. And I wish to get the message out more because um, a lot of people I don't think necessarily understand this. And Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate having an interview specifically with you on this show, because I think your audience will be very interested. I agree. Um, so, you know, most most people, I think, kind of get that you can, you know, you can have a write-off if you make a donation, and then that reduces your taxable income. That's kind of basic. But where I think it gets much more interesting is the offsets aspect. So And if you donate in cryptocurrency instead of, you know, converting it first and then donating it, um, you're able to offset any gains that you have. So if people actually think ahead before April, so more like now, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: about what kinds of gains they might be looking at, they can preemptively offset those to avoid paying any taxes on them, which is awesome. And you're making a contribution to nonprofits and helping other people instead of paying the government taxes, right? And in the case of BitGive, we actually hold in Bitcoin as well. So it continues to remain in that valuable asset that can grow and it's not been converted out. So as it continues to grow in in our coffers, we don't have to pay any taxes on it either because we're tax exempt. And over the years, our, you know, needs have grown as far as cash flow, but we still hold the majority of our assets in Bitcoin. And that's always benefited us over the long haul. There's definitely ups and downs and it definitely makes us nervous sometimes, but, you know, it's over the long haul been amazing. And I don't think we would necessarily exist still had we not done that because in many cases those gains allowed us to continue through some of the you know bear market times mm-hmm. so it really you know has helped us a lot and i think that that evergreen effect of it continuing forward from the donor to a nonprofit that keeps it in, in crypto is a really beautiful part of it as well because from the donor's perspective if they're able to make the contribution in cryptocurrency to a nonprofit for them, that's the benefit on the front end. And oftentimes, there aren't a whole lot of charities that actually accept cryptocurrency. So that's, a, that's your first hurdle. Um, but most of them that do accept cryptocurrency will then convert it into fiat. And so although it's still benefiting everyone involved, what we do is we hold in Bitcoin. So it has an even further benefit where we're keeping it in our coffers and allowing it to continue to grow. And that growth allows us to do even more good social work. And it's never taxable to us because we're a tax exempt entity. So even though we may see all these gains, we get to benefit from them and use them to help other people instead of calculating them for taxes and paying the government right
0: yes and, and so for the many listeners of ours that groan about having to pay the irs taxes there's one way to avoid paying some taxes on your crypto gains you can just donate some of that cryptocurrency and then you don't have to worry about it connie and her team at bickham don't have to worry about paying the gains so then you can kind of avoid gains when you're donating
1: Absolutely. Yeah, you can completely offset them depending on how much you donate, really. Yeah. It's awesome. I yeah. I really love it. I think it's such an awesome thing.
0: I think it also gives you kind of street cred, um, for lack of better words, in the crypto community. Because as you mentioned, you guys are all in on crypto. It's not, hey, we're just taking crypto in addition to fiat currency because we want that extra money. You guys are all about the blockchain, all about cryptocurrency. And that's the main focus of this company and and you said it yourself that's what sets you apart and and i would agree and i think that hopefully um our listeners and and anybody else who comes across your company i hope they can really respect that because that's big in the crypto space
1: no i appreciate that yeah i think a lot of times people don't distinguish us from like just a nonprofit that accepts bitcoin and there's so so many differences so i appreciate you highlighting that yeah
0: absolutely yeah of course um so on that topic You have a unique vantage point here. Do you think that Bitcoin is still too technical for most donors? What's your opinion on that?
1: Yeah, I think for, you know, on ramps being what they are, it is still kind of um, a challenge. And I think um, definitely the interest and knowledge has grown quite a bit, especially over the last like two years. Um, you know, there's been a lot more interest in the space and understanding of the tech itself, um, but there's still a lot of challenges to, to actually getting in, right? There's just so much friction, com- you know, to deal with all the regulatory stuff. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, it's definitely a challenge. Um, but I think, you know, like you had mentioned earlier that we we have such a perfect use case, I think, for the technology and that. We can appeal to both Bitcoin and crypto donors as well as mainstream because it actually demonstrates the beauty of the tech itself and shows people that the technology has utility and has you know value beyond speculation. And to me, that's really the beauty of it. So for a mainstream audience, the interest would be more about what can this technology actually do? It provides faster and cheaper. You know uh, global transfers, which means more impact on the ground for the nonprofits, mm-hmm. and we can see what's happening on the blockchain so we're we're more interested and involved in the actual work that's being done and where our money went right so from an interest point standpoint, I think it's a beautiful use case for the mainstream audience and then also for a bitcoin donor or a cryptocurrency donor aside from the tax benefits it's about demonstrating again that this tech actually has a utility right i mean if you're if you're just trading and you know seeing what's happening um with the price and speculating on the price there has to be some value behind the technology that you're speculating on otherwise what is it what are you speculating on of course right (laughs) So I feel like it's so crucial, you know, for us to have real use cases and be able to demonstrate that those use cases are real and happening currently and not just in theory. Um, And we're able to demonstrate them in ways that are very relevant, like charity. I mean, people, I would say almost anyone is familiar with donations and charity work, and it makes it very relevant to someone who's not necessarily involved already.
0: You're absolutely right. And when we think of adoption, a lot of time we think of adoption, we think of, I want to buy a cup of coffee at Starbucks with my cryptocurrency. When I can do that, that's adoption. And, and I mean, you already can do, you can already buy cars, real estate, et cetera, on certain you know platforms with cryptocurrency. But you're 100% right. The real adoption is is use cases like this, where we're talking about things that Philanthropists deal with on a regular basis donations, and we 're targeting those philanthropists by opening up cryptocurrency donations that 's even more adoption than buying a cup of coffee at Starbucks and you're helping more people than just yourself buying a exactly. cup of coffee <laughs> and plus uh, people it's it's tough too with buying a cup of coffee currently you would actually have to pay capital gains when you buy that cup of coffee with cryptocurrency so that 's something that kind of detracts from using that type of adoption, utilizing that type of adoption, whereas you, people won't have to deal with that with uh, donations through your site.
1: Right. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not, I have nothing against buying coffee with Bitcoin, but I think <laughs> it's not necessarily the most, you know, um, intriguing demonstration of, of how the, the technology can benefit um, and improve, you know, existing ways of, of doing things. Right. Um, it doesn't really highlight like, well, why? why? Like, you know, unless That's you awesome. want to pseudo anonymous about your coffee
0: (laughs) what is it like that you're getting out of it's not very practical it's not very practical right (laughs) <laughs> but it is one of those things that people do in terms of you know we have the cryptocurrency audience that that just really wants to push adoption and i think to a lot of people again when we think of adoption those are the kinds of things we think about is can i use cryptocurrency at a store i mean if you remember uh, a couple of years ago when you could start buying certain things with cryptocurrency you know like even gift cards there were youtube videos of people like going and buying uh, a gift card with cryptocurrency or going to a store, and I still see pictures all the time of people uh, showing that sign that says, you know, we accept Bitcoin. Um, so it really hypes people up and that to them, that's adoption. But I think opening up this space and showing like, hey, this is a, a more practical route to adoption and also a more altruistic route to adoption. Um, I think that's, it's a really interesting way of looking at. It you know, this whole thing.
1: Yes, I totally agree. I love it.
0: <laughs> so yes, let's get yeah. more. Let's get more donations in crypto. Absolutely. Yeah. So on that topic. Again, like I said, you have a unique perspective. So do you think that you are bringing more philanthropists to cryptocurrency or more cryptocurrency enthusiasts to philanthropy?
1: That's a great question. Um, I would say in in practice, it's um, more about cryptocurrency people to bringing them to philanthropy Mm -hmm. but in our goals and our theories about what we're trying to do and we're working towards is to bring more mainstream donors into using the tech itself and why right to to benefit from that and NGOs actually I mean you know that's a that's actually a huge part of it is bringing the NGOs in and we really do a ton of education and working alongside them to get them to work with the tech itself, accept the currencies, understand you know all the things that are involved in moving the funds and using the funds and everything else so there 's that whole aspect of it as well
0: Now you still face challenges though i mean we 're being very optimistic and we 're being very positive here but i 've looked at some of your past interviews, and I know that you mentioned sometimes facing challenges maybe in certain countries where country doesn't want to necessarily accept crypto can you talk a little bit about those challenges
1: yeah actually there's there's quite a few things we've come up against especially as you know the pioneering sort of organization working on this use case and sector so it's been quite a learning process in reference to what you were talking about um, with the other countries we've had at least in two cases um, with our our minimum viable product we had um, lined up everything to have great projects and also the full sort of um, sweep of tracking the funds all the way to like vendors and services.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we, we really worked hard to, to choose the right places in which we could do that to show that it, it can be done, right? We really wanted to demonstrate, at least in the few places that it was possible to spend Bitcoin on the ground, that you could do that and you could track it all the way to that last mile. And unfortunately, what's happened is that in the places where that was occurring, where there was sort of this groundswell of adoption and use with merchants and vendors and everything, um, is similar to the same places where the government has come down and said, you know, we're not we're outlawing this, or we're going to come after you if you're using this. And so we've seen a common sort of thread of if it starts to become real mm-hmm. and gain traction, um, oftentimes, you know, government gets, I would say, threatened. Um, they would say concerned. <laughs> and you know, they come in and and shut it all down. Um, so that's unfortunately been, I think, a big challenge towards adoption as well. Because how can you, if you suddenly, you know, if you're really starting to gain that traction and adoption, But then, you know, the hammer comes down. Of course, it sends everything backwards. So um, we had that happen in Kenya um, as well as in Indonesia. Um, With Kenya, there were some nuances to it. It wasn't like a complete um, outlaw. But in Mm -hmm. Indonesia, it was a complete like outlawing it. So, yeah, it's been interesting.
0: (laughs) Now, since you guys are the pioneers here, are you optimistic that with like Kenya or Indonesia that – Moving forward, maybe in a few years, you won't have those same issues or do you have a plan of action to avoid those issues? For now,
1: we have um, essentially, you know, we try to keep up to date on what's happening and not sign up NGOs and projects in areas where we can't, you know, we don't want to put them at risk. Mm -hmm. So like now India is also in that sort of category of like, it's a gray area. Why, why take an NGO partner and put them into a situation where it could be bad? Right. Um, but, for the long term, you know honestly i think it 's just kind of you know par for the course i mean it 's it 's very innovative technology it 's um something that a lot of people don 't understand um, but beyond par the course it 's very um unique in the sense that it threatens that central authority right and government as well as uh, the banking institutions so if they don't understand it or they do understand it and don't like it, then, you know, they're not going to be very happy about it growing and in and use and, and traction. So it is it is definitely a challenge. But what's beautiful about the tech itself is that it really can't be stopped. I mean yeah, they can regulate it and they can threaten in certain places in the world or whatever, but it doesn't stop it from happening anyway. It's still, you know, the Bitcoin network continues to operate, you know, still Bitcoin in circulation. People can still use it peer to peer. Um, You know, they can in some ways, you know, capture it at these places like exchanges or things where they can, you know, quickly kind of put up a gate. But Otherwise, it's not going to stop anything. So I think in the long run, all of this will, you know, blow over and it's just going to become inevitable because unless you shut down the internet, um, it's not going anywhere.
0: So, And uh, we'd all be screwed if that ever happened. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much everybody would be. Doesn't matter what industry you're in. Everybody would be pretty much screwed at that point. Um, Yes. I think once a lot of these countries find that they can benefit from it, I mean, look at in the United States, they're, they're taxing, you know, the hell out of cryptocurrency. And obviously a lot of people in the crypto space don't love that idea, but at least it shows the U S government, like, Hey, we can make a buck off of this. So, you know, we're not going to try and stop it from being adopted in different industries here. As soon as other countries see that that's possible and maybe they'll see it's possible in a way other than taxing it, but as soon as they see that it can be it can benefit them then hopefully they'll stop being scared of it and stop trying to you know stomp it down and they'll accept it
1: yeah exactly i mean i think that's essentially what's going on right now with like china and how often it came up in the congressional hearings around libra you know it was like they kept thinking well yeah we have all these regulatory concerns about this however what if we let china do it first you know
0: <laughs> yes <laughs>
1: So it was kind of funny watching it from that standpoint. I was like, oh my gosh, these guys. But yeah, I mean, that's where they're coming from. It's like they they see it in some ways as an innovative technology, which it is, which gives our our economy an opportunity that we can either take or or shut down.
0: So speaking of Libra, that's uh, you know, we were just at that World Cryptocurrency Conference in Vegas recently and we went to a, a great conversation obviously facebook has its you know people who don't love facebook and there's a lot of issues with privacy especially with libra of course but in terms of libra what better organization to reach people who don't normally deal with cryptocurrency than facebook love them or hate them almost everybody has a facebook or at one point has used facebook so them having their own cryptocurrency no matter how you know potentially good or bad that cryptocurrency is that's definitely going to help with adoption i think i mean personally i guess that's my opinion
1: yeah no i agree i mean i i think it's a, you know very poorly designed and they have a lot of issues to right. deal with to be real but in that in the sense of exposure i mean huge. they're huge. i mean they're yeah. in the limelight they've got billions of users they're global And, you know, they talk about it, the more it becomes a mainstream topic and more understandable. And I was quite pleased, actually, to hear in the congressional hearings that there was enough sophistication around the knowledge of the technology to be able to distinguish what it is that Facebook is proposing from Bitcoin and how different they really are and that the most of their concerns lied in the fact that it was corporate controlled, um, you know, security issues and all of that versus what a decentralized network can offer that doesn't hold the same concerns that a corporate controlled structure does.
0: Right. The whole point of decentralized is to not have six big companies in charge of the the cryptocurrency, but... I'm certainly willing to give them a chance. I mean, I'd love to have somebody from the Libra team on here to kind of talk about Libra. So I certainly won't try to pass any judgment before I, before we get more details and they have pushed it back. So, you know, obviously they see what the reaction was and what kind of changes they need to make. We'll see where they go. Yeah. But in, in, in overall, it seems like it will help with adoption. So yeah. That's and good.
1: it's, you know, handled in such a way that it does help with adoption and doesn't create enough, you know, a lot of problems that, end up turning
0: people against yeah the exact opposite like hey if libra is doing this and they, it just you know took my identity then i'm not going to ever trust cryptocurrency or bitcoin right yeah let's <laughs> hope let's hope that doesn't happen
1: yeah
0: i digress yeah. i digress <laughs> um, you know on this kind of topic about the future of crypto where do you see bitcoin and crypto in the next five or ten years do you have any predictions what's your opinion
1: oh that's a tough one <laughs> Um, you know, I think that we've come a long way. Um, even though I do on a day-to-day basis feel like, you know, kind of frustrated that we haven't gone further. Um, but you know, looking back at where we were in 2013, where, you know, this was like the first Bitcoin ever conference, right? And then now there's events every day and every continent and probably multiple ones every day in every continent, you know, and, um, we've come a long way as, as that is concerned. And I think, um, BitGive has as well, you know, we used to work with one charity at a time and now we have a platform with 12 projects and, you know, all this stuff is happening. So I think, you know, definitely things change over the course of, you know, five, 10 years, but My hope, honestly, is that, you know, we we are able to break through some of these major sort of barriers that are in the way and, you know, get to mainstream adoption where we, you know, reduce the friction on the on-ramps, that we are able to use it in the last mile on the ground, you know, we're able to really build out a functioning ecosystem. Um, I think that is where I see it going and, Um, I definitely think that that's possible in, you know, five or 10 years, it it may be 10 where it's fully functioning on the ground everywhere kind of thing, but I definitely think that's where it's headed. Um, and you know, the beauty of that is then, you know, we get to do all the, the the much more interesting and exciting things that come once you have a functioning ecosystem. (laughs) So, um, I think the sky's the limit beyond that, right? I mean... We have all kinds of ideas at BitGive for how we want to continue to build upon, you know, the way that this technology can be leveraged and looking at real-time data and using that data to not only show cool visualizations, but to be able to react more quickly when there's disaster relief, um, to be able to capture where there's compromised parties and pathways and stop the funds from flowing in real time instead of waiting until you find out six months later. And, you know, a bunch of money has gone into that black hole (laughs) Um, and, you know, leveraging all the real time data as well for improving efficiencies and effectiveness. Like, you know, if there's gaps in the needs or duplications or over extended needs, all kinds of ways to leverage you know, the system and the ability to watch it all in real time can be leveraged really amazing ways. So once we have that adoption and, you know, more traction, then we can really start to work with what the
0: possibilities are. Perfect segue into my next question. And you actually answered it perfectly. I was going to say, I mean, obviously you came up with the idea to marry these two concepts as I, as I praised you for earlier. So you must have some ideas about how to further, you know, make the blockchain and nonprofit sector work together even better. So you had just mentioned some ideas and what needs to be done in order to make those ideas come to reality? Is it is it funding? Is it time? Is it adoption, like you said? Or what is the barrier here to get those ideas that you just mentioned to make them a reality?
1: That's a great question. I mean, it really is all those things, right? Because <laughs> We, we definitely need to invest in building out this infrastructure and this ecosystem. And that I think is the first step. Um, you know, there's so, there's a lot of focus on first world applications and trading platforms and exchanges mm-hmm. and until we start investing beyond that and into building out you know, a functioning ecosystem, we, we can't get much further. So I think that's the first step. Um, and then that allows for adoption to happen as well, because how, how else do you get adoption without building in the on ramps and off ramps for people to use it? Um, and then funding is aside from the investment that it would take to build out this infrastructure and ecosystem, funding on our side um, would be needed for us to build this, you know, global dashboard and real time data piece that we want to do. So, um, you know, that's probably the easiest part, but we need the traction and the data flowing on it for it to be, you know, realized, right? But without the ecosystem and the traction, there's not going to be a whole lot of data to look at. (laughs) So, yeah, so I think it's all those things. Um so yeah, we I mean we definitely have long long-term goals and and many steps in between to get to them, but um I think I think it'll all happen with time for sure. I mean, when people ask me like what what do I think is going to happen with the tech? I'm like, honestly, it's just a matter of time, you know. Mm-hmm. I, it's not going anywhere. I mean, we have a lot of challenges, but it's just a matter of time. It's it's like the internet, you know. I mean, who knew that we'd have things like Snapchat back in 1995?
0: <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a great comparison. And actually, the last guest I had on, Alan Morak, did make that comparison. And he had mentioned kind of how, you know, look at Facebook and privacy, for example. It took so long for regulations and, you know, the government to step in and to make sure that People were being protected on Facebook. People's privacy was being protected on Facebook. That took ages. Everything kind of does take ages. It seems like every any kind of new technology, like you said, with the internet. And, you know, I remember using like uh, twenty. I think it was like twenty-eight point eight k. It wasn't even fifty-six k back in the day of uh, you know dial-up. It was um it was twenty. It was half that. It was half that speed. So I mean, definitely never would have thought back then that be doing what we what we're doing now with the internet. You know, so things take time.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I, I like to use the analogy of email a lot because, I it's to me it makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, back in the ninety or you know, mid to late nineties, not not everyone even had an email address, right. you
2: know.
1: And when I was in college, I was I started college in ninety five, so I'm kind of aging myself here. But <laughs> um, I was in I was in the dorms at Virginia Tech, and they were the first um, wired campus, quote unquote. Hmm. And so in 95, we had Ethernet in every single dorm room, which is like crazy. And so I remember writing to my mom in college via email instead of writing her a letter. But she didn't have an email address. So I would email her boss at work and I would put the subject line would say for Maria. (laughs) And then her boss would print it out and walk it over and hand it to her on
0: a piece of paper. Wow, what a <laughs> that really is, what a great story that is.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, the way I see it is like, that's kind of where we're at right now with crypto, right? I mean, certainly not everyone has a wallet by any means. Right. And then if they do, they've got to then go find an exchange or use local Bitcoins or some way to turn it into something useful to them. They can't use it as it is, right? And so like the exchanges, Um, whether they be a person on the ground or a physical exchange are like the printers, right? They're like, everyone's going to the printer and printing out the emails and then handing them out to everyone.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right. Where we need to make it so that, you know, everybody finally gets an email. Like I'm sure your mom eventually got maybe an AOL email or something like that. And she was able to finally just cut that middleman out and get those emails directly from you. (laughs) So exactly. That her, so that her boss wasn't reading them as he was walking down, them down the hall.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's
0: a great so analogy. I Definitely really
1: see us getting there. It's just a matter of time, you know. So.
0: Well, you know, as you mentioned, you said your brother had created BitPay, right?
1: Yes, he's the co-founder of BitPay.
0: Co-founder of BitPay. So I mean, that's a powerhouse combination between you and your brother. That's a great combination to make that on-ramp, off-ramp a little bit easier. Obviously, you show the need for it, and then they have the capability to maybe make that happen.
1: Yeah, we do. We use them a lot for, um, well, first of all, we use their their wallets on GiveTrack. So the NGOs are setting up BitPay wallets to accept the donations on GiveTrack. And then we also, as BitGiv, its entity itself uses BitPay, and all of our donations come in through BitPay, and we use them to either send them to our cold storage and hot wallets and all that. Or if we need fiat for cash and operations, then we go through BitPay as well for that. So we use them a lot. They're awesome. Um and they're just a solid team, you know. I mean, I, I don't think that they nearly get even remotely the credit that they deserve. And I understand that I come across as biased and I, I totally get that. Um, but I'm a professional and I can set that aside and actually look at the company itself. (laughs) And I can say that, you know, they've been around a long time. They've been a pioneer in the space. They've paved a lot of roads and pathways for everybody else who's now involved. And they've followed all the rules and they've done a great job. And I think that they don't get enough credit for all the work that they've put in to creating this industry from very early on. And, you know, they have, they've had their problems and everyone does, but Mm -hmm. I think they really have done a lot to support, um, the industry itself, open source stuff, as well as a ton of nonprofit stuff. I mean, they, they don't really talk about it, but they processed a lot of the money that flowed out of the pineapple fund because there's a lot of places that don't want to work with NGOs and they don't want to put themselves in the position of converting, you know, Bitcoin that came from an anonymous pineapple fund person. Um, BitPay did most of those transactions and enabled a lot of nonprofits to receive a lot of money, you know? So yeah, I think they have a lot, a lot to offer and
0: we we love working with them. I think a lot of people would agree with that. I mean, and BitPay is pretty well known name too, right? Like I think most people in the space have heard of BitPay, have used BitPay. So they definitely do deserve credit that you're giving them. And I haven't heard too much bad about BitPay, so, you know, kudos to them.
2: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <You> know, <great. laughs> yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, being in the space myself, I, I tend to really just appreciate most companies in the space. If Basically, if you're not a company in the space trying to scam somebody, then you're a company in this space that I could appreciate, you know, because yes. you're, you're doing more for cryptocurrency. You're doing stuff for adoption. You know, it's already a pretty niche space as it is. And so it's like, you know, we got to stick together if we want to bring adoption about <laughs> to the mainstream, you know?
1: Exactly.
0: Peace exactly. and love. Peace and love.
1: <laughs> I totally agree. I totally agree.
0: <laughs> awesome. There's
1: definitely a lot of infighting within this industry. It does not help us. We need to all work together and you know, move everything forward. Yes. So.
0: Unified front. And then as soon as it becomes mainstream and you know, globally adopted, then we can you know, start the fighting back up. But until then, <laughs> you know, we, we have to remain peaceful with one another in order yes. to succeed. It's good for all of us. And it's good for the world.
1: Exactly. Awesome. I'm 100% with you on that.
0: <laughs> well, I didn't mean to bury the lead here, but can you just talk a little bit about the projects that you currently have going on with BitGive and GiveTrack? Can you talk a little bit about some of the, the current projects that are happening? And then I'll get some information from you about how people can find out more information and how they can either donate to you guys or donate to some of the projects that you have going on.
1: Oh yeah, that's, that's the best part.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I agree. We got a little caught up in the fun conversation, but this is the really good, helpful stuff.
1: Yeah, well, we have a lot of amazing partners. Um, So on GiveTrack, we have um, right now four different projects that are currently fundraising. And then we have um, probably uh, four to six that are either under implementation or are already done. So um, the the ones that are fundraising, uh, three of those are projects in Venezuela, so they're all through the same NGO, but different projects, and they're supporting um, really, really important efforts on the ground in Venezuela with um, supporting orphans, supporting hospitals, and abandoned pets, and there's an awful, awful lot of terrible things going on in Venezuela. So there's a lot of need and it's not being met. So they're, they're on the ground and working really hard to just provide basic services to people to get through this really difficult times. Um, and they're also in the process of planning for more sustainable programs as well, like nurseries for food and um, things like that that can sustain over time. Um, and then we have also a project in Jamaica right now for a, a skate park in Kingston for at-risk youth. So it's all about you know giving them a much healthier way to spend their time and put their efforts and energy into versus you know many of the other options that may be out there. <laughs> and, right. And so that's what those are the projects that are fundraising, and then we have a number of other ones that you can go and see kind of how the projects are playing out. They raise funds on the platform and they're starting to actually use those funds for the projects. So it's really cool to watch. We've got um, two in Chile um, that are under implementation and also one just started in uh, its implementation in Ethiopia. And um, we have another one coming soon in Afghanistan Um, We worked with Code to Inspire, and they are a coding school in Herat, and they raised funds on GiveTrack for computers for their students. So we're waiting for them to share the results of, you know, actually purchasing those computers and having them at the school. And um, so there's lots of exciting things going on. I don't know, you know, if there's any one particular one to focus on or, you know, that we're more excited than the others. Right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I guess if you're a donor yourself, or even if you're just, you know, you don't have to be a huge philanthropist to donate money. You can just be an average Joe in terms of cryptocurrency, you know, trading, you could just donate a few dollars and pick one that kind of speaks to you, right? Like if you're into programming, then maybe look into donating to the cause where it's helping young women learn to program. Maybe if that's something that's kind of close to your heart. Um, then you can choose based off of that. You don't have to be a multimillionaire though, in order to to help other people and, and to give money.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the idea of crowdfunding, right? I mean, $5, yes. you could throw $5 at it and it would be great. And then, and that actually is one thing that I often say about as far as like demonstrating the use case and building adoption is like, it doesn't take big dollar amounts. It's just about showing that it works and using it and, demonstrating the use case and providing support to other people through that and it doesn't you know it doesn't have to be a lot of money
0: yeah absolutely and showing that it gets easier as more people do it it becomes easier to actually do it like you said increasing you know adoption and we can make that happen as we kind of talked about earlier by you guys accept donations as well right
1: yes exactly so we we do accept donations and that's how we do all this great work we have an amazing team and they're doing all the, you know, technical development work of the platform and working with the NGOs and doing all of our fun administrative stuff we have to take care of. And, you know, so that that all needs to be covered somehow. So we, we do, you know, take funding into BitGive itself. And that's that's different than the projects on, on GiveTrack. Um, but, you know, there's also something I wanted to mention about the projects on GiveTrack is that we have a direct integration with Uphold. So any um, cryptocurrency or even fiat currency that someone wanted to donate can be done on GiveTrack. And they just funnel it through Uphold. And Uphold, we have an API integration with them where they're taking in, you know, whatever it is, crypto or fiat, and they're converting it into Bitcoin and sending Bitcoin to the charity's wallet so that it's all together in one currency and in one wallet so we can then follow it from there. So like if people have gains in, you know, Litecoin or Ethereum or whatever, they can still offset those gains through the GiveTrack platform. So it's just another another opportunity.
0: Yeah, and another way of showing that by doing this more and more and by getting more funding partnerships like this open up where it makes it easier to donate money. And like you said, to, to benefit, not only the people receiving the donations, but to benefit the donor by offsetting gains on different coins. So that's great that Uphold and you guys have partnered up. That was pretty recent, right?
1: Yeah, it was. It was a big, um, a big effort. And we had planned to do it as part of the launch of the platform. And you know, there's just so many regulatory issues that it got held back and, we were really excited to release it. I think it, we finally were able to release it in April. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And it's been a wonderful partnership. Um, Uphold is really awesome. They really embraced it, and they love the concept, and they love being a part of it. They actually waived all of their fees. Um, so wow. there's still a blockchain network fee, but there's no other fees to use Uphold on GiveTrack. And we just love that. And they're, they talk about it a lot. They promote it. It's really cool.
0: That's great. Well, props to props to Uphold for sure yeah <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> gotta, give, gotta give credit where credit's due right i mean like i said we gotta appreciate one another in the industry
1: exactly yeah yeah i mean we we would love to have more partners you know corporate partners and you know everyone coming together is is awesome we we also have a partnership with stratum they're down in um, brazil and they actually built into their whole business model a way to give back, which I just thought was so cool. So they, they offer a referral reward for people who you know, refer new customers to them, mm-hmm. but the reward can be donated instead. So they give people the option like, hey, here's a reward. Like, it's free money to you. If you want to keep it, great. If you want to donate it, we're going to collect the, over a quarterly basis all of the donated referrals and give them to BitGive. Um so they do that every quarter and they actually come to give track and they pick a project on give track that they want to support so that they can then show their customers that they're saying they're doing what they said they were going to do. So they're they're leveraging the transparency of the platform.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. All right. Connie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for talking to us and the listeners about BitGive and about donating using cryptocurrency and the blockchain i appreciate that and i appreciate your insight and um, how could our listeners reach out and find out more about you about your organization and how can they donate to either you or any of the campaigns that you guys are currently fundraising for
1: thanks so much for having me it's been a pleasure um so um we're pretty easy to find we're online for BitGive at bitgivefoundation.org And then our current campaigns on GiveTrack are at givetrack.org. And we're also all over social media as well. So you can find us on Twitter um, at bitgiveorg. And then we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on LinkedIn. I mean, whatever you like, we're probably there. So um, lots of ways to find us and um, contribute to us and or our projects um, with our NGO partners.
0: Awesome. Well, I encourage all of the listeners to go and give some money, give some crypto, you know, non-fiat money to uh, either BitGive or one of the projects on GiveTrack. Obviously, if you've listened to the whole podcast so far, you know my opinion is that this this helps with adoption, it helps other people, and it's just really overall a a beneficial situation to the space. So please go and donate if you can. Connie, thank you again. I appreciate you being on here.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure.
0: No problem. And everybody, thank you for listening to the Bitcoin Taxes podcast. Be sure to stay tuned for more cryptocurrency and blockchain related episodes.